As we go through our lives, we all need wisdom. I think that's one thing we can all agree on. We are all faced with myriads, all sorts of choices in life. In fact, we make small decisions multiple times every single day. And from time to time, we're also faced with big decisions that affect the direction that our lives will take. Once we make that sort of decision, it's often hard to turn back. These kind of decisions, whether they be small or whether they be big, require wisdom, much wisdom. And these decisions require wisdom because sometimes they are decisions between two or more choices that have potentially positive results. Either way, whatever choice you make, it's going to be okay. Will it be a GM or a Ford? Well, maybe not so okay with one of those choices. But lots of people really believe in both of those. Will it be a John Deere or a New Holland? Will it be tile or will it be carpet? Whatever decision we make on those ones, they'll likely have similar results, and both those results are good. The common thing is that you're going to get something new, but you still need wisdom to decide. Other times, there are decisions between two or more choices that have potentially negative results. There is no good choice. Those are the kinds of decisions that can be really heart-wrenching. Do you take a treatment or not? Which treatment? What side effects? Those kind of decisions require much wisdom. And other times, there are decisions where there are two or more choices that are more neutral. Or we could even say the results are unknown. How will we educate our children? Public school, private school, home education? How should I invest my money? Stocks, RRSPs, whatever it might be. Those kinds of decisions also require wisdom. They all require wisdom for everyday living in God's creation. And so where can we find this kind of practical wisdom? Well, there is an ancient book in the Bible that says it can help us. It promises that if you read it and obey it, it will provide the wisdom that you so desperately are looking for. Wisdom that sometimes seems to be elusive. Last time I preached from the book of Jeremiah, where we were challenged by the call to listen to God's word. Listening to God's warnings would lead to benefits, would lead to good things. And not heeding God's message leads to bad circumstances and sometimes to the judgment of God. The indictment against the people of God throughout Jeremiah, all 52 chapters, I think it is, is that they would not listen. And eventually it led them to forfeiting the land of promise. Way back in their history, they had been freed from slavery once, slavery to Egypt. They'd been brought into the promised land, living under the blessing of God in the land that he had given them. They'd been freed from slavery. But eventually, because of their repeated 
and persistent refusal to listen, they lost their freedom and eventually went right back where they came from, into slavery, only this time to Assyria for the northern kingdom and to Babylon for the south. We would be wise to listen to God as he speaks through his word and as he speaks his word through his messengers. Well, we want to take a few weeks to look into the book of Proverbs. And as we look into the opening section of this book, the introduction of Proverbs, we'll see that it essentially offers us that same challenge. Do we really want to hear what God has to say? Do we want to listen to the wisdom that comes from God? Or will we spurn it? And will we decide that we know better? The ancient sin in the garden. We know better than God. Well, the answer to that question in Proverbs-like words, will determine if we will, father, if we will follow either Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly. Well, just by saying it that way should make you think that Proverbs is a bit of a different book. It's different than most books of the Bible. It's got something different going on. And so before we get into the first few verses, let me quickly make a couple of observations just as introduction and just as a bit of background into this book. First, the author. The very first verse of the book of Proverbs identifies who put this book together. Look at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Well, what qualifies this Solomon to be able to give this wisdom that he claims that we all need? And who was he? Well, in Hebrew culture, we can learn about someone even by their name. In English, we call him Solomon. But in his day, and in Hebrew, this Solomon would have been known as Shlomo. Funny-sounding name, especially if you attach his title, King Shlomo. You know, doesn't sound like someone that's sort of got it all together. But that only sounds strange to us. In Hebrew, even today, that name is significant. If you take off that last O, and you just slow down a bit when you say it, you start to hear the word shalom, peace. That was one characteristic of Solomon. While his father's uh, life, David, his life was characterized by, mostly by war, and by bloodshed, and by conquest, and by running, and um, he had this sort of army of people, his men, that, that led him into battle. Solomon's life and reign was a time of peace for Israel. He was blessed with peace. But long, not long after he became king, some of you will remember the story, that, that God comes to him in a vision, and he too is faced with a decision. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 3. God says there, ask what I shall give you. It's sort of this uh, a genie in a bottle-like choice. Ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Well, this is one of those choices that he made that turned out good. He chooses wisely. He knows he's young and he knows that as a young king, he's got to lead Israel. He's got to lead them wisely. And he's going to need some help with that. And so he asks for an understanding mind to govern your people. He's talking to God here. 
Give me an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. Another way of saying that is he asks for wisdom from God. And God is pleased with what he requested. And he's also pleased with what he did not request, riches and fame. In fact, he's so pleased that he gives Solomon both. He grants him wisdom, and he grants him what he didn't ask for, riches and honor. And so Solomon, by virtue of that fact, that incident in history that happened one night for Solomon, is qualified as a giver of wisdom. And he's actually divinely qualified, because his wisdom is godly wisdom. His ability to discern between decisions is God-given discernment. All of this makes Solomon and Proverbs a credible source of wisdom. We need Solomon's wisdom and discernment. If we decide to open ourselves up and to open our minds up to learn and to obey what God has to say through Proverbs, we too will be wise and discerning. I say all that because even in Proverbs, which is concerned mainly with everyday things, marriage, raising kids, handling finances, how to pick friends, our speech, all of that hinges on a proper relationship with God. All of the things we do have to be founded on what Solomon calls the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the central point around all which our actions should orbit and and radiate and emanate. Because down in verse 7 of chapter 1, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Proverbs actually ends in chapter 31 with the Proverbs 31 woman banging that same drum. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So it starts and ends with that and in between. We find out how to live under God. as those who fear the Lord and how that helps us to know how to live in this world in the practical areas of life. Just note there how the fear of the Lord is what motivates Solomon to write these practical words. Even though Solomon's life became less than exemplary and drifted far from the fear of the Lord, when he, when he was young, his father David would have encouraged him to be in the Word of God. He would have taught him things like Deuteronomy 17. Just turn there for just a couple of seconds. Deuteronomy 17 gives instructions for kings. And God says there, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he's talking there about the king, every king of Israel, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him And he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to, what? Fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of his law and these statutes and by doing them. Whatever Solomon had there in his day as the word of God, probably the first five books of the Bible, um, probably Job and a a few other books maybe, He had these books in his possession and he studied them and he learned them so that he would become wise, so that he would become a wise king. Solomon would have been centered in the law. He would have known how to fear the Lord. And it's that fear of the Lord that sort of becomes the motto of Proverbs. Dan Phillips has 
written a, a great introduction to Proverbs to which I'm going to refer from time to time in the next couple of weeks. And he writes this. He says, God-given wisdom is not a freewheeling entity separated from the Word of God. Wisdom is, in part, the application of objective revelation, the application of the Bible to the details of life. Applying the Bible to the details of life. And so he defines wisdom as skill for living in the fear of the Lord. Skill for living in the fear of the Lord. Just one more quick note of introduction to Proverbs, and that's that you should know that Proverbs is poetry. It's Hebrew poetry. Now, I know that fact might scare some of you off, but don't let it. Hebrew poetry isn't like English poetry. I'm definitely not into poetry, I have to admit, as a rule. Just let me, just give me the sports section and, and I'm happy. But I've really come to enjoy Hebrew poetry just for the way it presents truth. It, it presents truth in, in parallel concepts. It, it sometimes has two lines that say the same thing in, in a different way, or sometimes the two lines present a contrast, or sometimes they even present a, a, a comparison, a, a simile, like this one. Like, like is, the, is the word that gives us the clue that it's a simile. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. That evokes an image. But Proverbs especially are short sayings that pack a punch. They sometimes use exaggeration. And so you can't always take them literally. But they always sort of poke and and prod. That's what makes them memorable. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. That's good stuff. That's a memorable picture. So with all that in mind, let's dive into the first part of chapter 1. In verses 2 to 6, we see a number of benefits of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, for, for what purpose? And you have a list there, to know, to understand, to receive, to give, to understand. That's how Solomon, uh, Solomon starts it out. It's almost like he's giving his own book endorsement. Here's why you want to read these and learn these. Here's why these sayings that I'm going to give are important. Here's how you're you're going to benefit from these. Here's what you're going to get out of this. So look at verses 2 to 6. Let me read verse 1 again. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, their enigmas. I read that and I think, I need to hear this. I need to know this, and I hope you do too. Don't you want to be wise? Don't you want to know how to be righteous? Don't you want to know how to be equitable? Don't you want to know how to live justly? Don't you want to increase your tank of wisdom so that you can have sound, godly principles on which you base your decisions? Of course you do. 
So let's go. The first benefit is the one I've been talking about uh, already. Proverbs will help you know wisdom and instruction. And really what that means is wisdom and discipline. First, let's look at that verb, to know. This is, this is more than just knowing about something, knowing the facts about something. It's knowledge that's based on experience or, or on a relationship. Most of you that have been coming to this church would say that you know my wife. You know who she is. You might even know lots of things about Marlene. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's a teacher. But you don't know Marlene like I know Marlene. You might see her once a week for an hour or so. Some of you might see her a little bit more. But I'm with her 12 to 16 hours every single day. I have a close, dare I say, intimate relationship with her. I have an intimate knowledge. I really know her. I am involved with her. I am privileged to have made her acquaintance. I just say that for you that are Jane Austen fans. That's how she talks, isn't it? She writes. This is the kind of knowing that this means. It's not just factual knowledge. And so studying these Proverbs will help you become intimately acquainted with wisdom and discipline. We define wisdom as the skill for living in the fear of the Lord. That's really what this word means. It's acquiring skill. The word is used in the Old Testament for skill in war. One time it's used for skill in sailing. It's used of those who were the skilled craftsmen who were involved in building the tabernacle. And so studying this book will give you expertise in living your life under God in the right way. This book will be your apprenticeship toward getting your ticket in becoming an expert in making wise decisions. How about that? And not only wise decisions, but godly wise decisions. This is not just talking about human wisdom, but wisdom that directs us to God. In Jeremiah 9, God says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That 1 Corinthians passage that I read at the beginning says kind of the same thing. True wisdom is knowing God. Proverbs will give you wisdom and skill in parenting, in relationships, in business. But like I said before, all of that has to, has to sort of orbit around what's in the center, which would be the knowledge of God and the fear of God. And it will also help you know instruction, to know discipline. Discipline is a repeated theme in Proverbs. Where wisdom is talking about skill, this is talking about correction. Phillips says that this is education with oomph. This word is used of God in Leviticus. I don't think I put that reference in your notes. If you want to write that one down, Leviticus 26. Where God warns Israel that if they won't listen to him, God would discipline. He even says this, I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. In chapter 6, verses 21 to 28, he kind of repeats that numerous times in there. It's corrective instruction. Instruction that might sometimes have to be enforced by punishment. And in the case of the Old Testament laws, it was instruction discipline that would help Israel to line up under God's word. That was always the purpose. And it still is. 
Well, this is saying that Proverbs will help us to know this corrective, uh, disciplinary instruction from God. And we have to listen to it. We have to be open to it. We have to receive his instruction. We have to receive his correction. We have to be willing to receive his discipline. He disciplines those he loves. Are you open to learn from God through his corrective and loving discipline? Would you like to acquire skills for living in the fear of God? Then Proverbs are for you. The second line of verse 2 says that Proverbs will help you understand words of insight. The idea here is really discernment. Proverbs will give you the insight that's needed to discern between, that's what that word means, it's between. It will give you the insight that's needed to discern between right and wrong, good and bad, righteous and evil, truth and error. Foolish choices and wise choices. It will help you sort things out. Living skillfully in the fear of God will help you analyze and then interpret and then understand and then obey God's word. Later on in Proverbs 3, verse 5, a verse that's, I'm sure, familiar to many of you, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, on your own insight, on your own discernment. It's the same word. We need to sort things out using God's word, seeking to understand it, seeking to absorb it, seeking to apply it rightly. And so Proverbs is filled with words of insight. When we're tempted to take a shortcut and maybe bend the rules just a little bit to complete a business deal, If we're reading Proverbs, we might run into something like Proverbs 10, verse 2. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Or here's a good one for you single guys. If you think you find a a good-looking young lass, and you think that physical beauty, that's all the information you need in order to pursue her. Proverbs 11, 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Think about that for a while. These are the kinds of words, poking, prodding in Proverbs that might help you to understand things, to maybe sort things out from a different angle. Look back at verse 3, back in chapter 1 now. Proverbs are beneficial to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. So this is the next benefit. This is the everyday practical stuff. But again, the impetus here is on receiving it. We have to read it. We have to want to acquire it. We, we have to want to know it and then to do it. We have to study it and then make it part of our lives. Wise dealing really means that if we receive these things and connect them to the fear of the God, we will acquire intelligence into the mind of God, into the ways of God, into righteousness, justice, equity. I want to spend a little bit of time on the benefits that are listed in verse uh, 4. And that's because here Solomon lets us know who these Proverbs are really targeted at. Look at verse 4. It says, To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. 
you see there that the sayings in Proverbs are for the simple and the youth. They're, these are, 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 again, are parallels. Remember the poetry. And so it's talking to the same kinds of people. But let's look at both these words. Simple basically means gullible. One version calls them the naive. Literally, the word means open. These are the ones whose minds are open in a dangerous way. Such that they believe everything. Everything sounds good. They exhibit an obvious lack of discernment. They lack the skill, the wisdom to be able to sort things out. Later in chapter 14, verse 15, it says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Does this maybe describe someone you know? We think of, when we, when we listen to sermons, we think that way a lot. This describes someone I know, right? Well, how about you? <laughs> maybe you see yourself here. You know that you have trouble with this. Everything sounds good. You're willing to accept everything and everyone. And sometimes that might be a bad thing. That's what this is saying. Sometimes it might not be a bad thing. It's good to be like that, to, you know, to accept everyone, to accept everything, to be the kind of person that, that does that. But sometimes it might be a bad thing. You know that that can get you into trouble sometimes. It can be a dangerous kind of gullibility. Well, don't despair. There's help on the way. Proverbs gives help for the simple. It will help you move toward lady wisdom and to move away from lady folly. The other group he mentions here are youth, the young, young people. Proverbs will benefit you that are young and not yet mature. You need Proverbs. You need to listen to and pay attention to these wise sayings. This is talking about those who, uh, who are young in age, but it's also talking about immaturity. Phillips writes that there are those who are old enough to drink, but not old enough to think. They're included in this category of youth here, and simple. Their behavior is determined by feelings and emotions, rather than by convictions and sound biblical principles. They have no direction in life. They just go from this to that. They don't even want to grow up. They're content to remain adolescents. They run away from responsibility. They want no accountability. These are the youths. These are the simple. Again, if you know someone in this category, point them to the principles set forth in Proverbs. Or if that describes you, Proverbs is your friend. Pay attention. If you're young and are looking for wisdom, this is the place for you. Don't go looking to the world for wisdom. Look to Proverbs. Look to God's word. Well, what kind of help does Proverbs give to the simple and to youth? What's in the care package for these simple, immature people? Answer, it gives prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. To those who are gullible, these wise sayings will make you shrewd, savvy, clever. It will help you navigate through the issues that come up in your life with wisdom. It will show you how you can make prudent, thoughtful decisions based on rock-solid truth rather than on mystical, subjective feelings. Prudence is something you need in your toolbox. Pay attention to God's wisdom. 
the word that's translated discretion there might be better translated as uh, a purpose or direction. It's really saying that if you pay attention to these sayings and that you seriously give some effort towards trying to figure them out, you will receive the ability to plan and to devise a, a course of action for whatever you face in life. If you're tempted by uh, financial shortcuts, if you're tempted by lust, or even just the general category, if you're tempted by the wisdom of the world, God will provide a way out. Hebrews says he provides a way of escape. He will show you a course of action if you submit to God and if you have a proper reverence for God. Well, in verse 5, Solomon adds to the benefits by including yet another uh, benefactor. Not only will these wise sayings of Solomon benefit the simple and the young, but, and and this was a little bit surprising, they will also benefit the wise man. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, or add to their learning. It's the wise man who hears. It's the wise man who listens. It's the wise man who responds. Wise people are not those who think they know everything. Wise people are not those who think they've arrived and they don't need to know anything else. The people who are truly wise are those who keep listening, who keep learning, who keep adding to their supply of wisdom. That's the benefit here. They are already wise, yet they increase in learning. They never think they've arrived. They never think they've exhausted all knowledge. They never think they're done, that they know all they need to know. No, these are lifelong learners. They're humble. Maybe the best way to describe these people is teachable. They work hard to understand. You might know someone like this. You believe they're already wise and might be able to help you, yet you're surprised when they start to ask you questions, when they want to learn from you, when they take an interest in you. You might also know the opposite kind of person, the person who has an answer for everything, the the one who's always talking about himself or herself, the one who comes across as arrogant or, or prideful. You don't really want to be around those kind of people, do you, that always talk about themselves and that know everything. Proverbs often calls that person a fool. And it calls the humble person wise. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance to understand the proverb and the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The wise will labor to understand. They will work to figure out what it means to live skillfully in the fear of the Lord. They will be on a lifelong quest to figure out how they can live as a child of God, uh, submitting to his lordship, recognizing themselves as his willing servants, as his willing slaves. Slaves of the king. Proverbs will help you in your quest to live as his child and to increase in learning what it means to joyfully fear your Creator and your God. You know, when I think of this concept of increasing in learning, it reminds me of Jesus when he was a youth. Remember what it says about him? Just that one little verse at the end of Luke 2. We're told there that Jesus continued to increase in what? 
he continued to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is Jesus. This is God the Son, the one who existed from everlasting to everlasting, the one for whom and by whom and through whom everything was created, the one who is all-knowing. Yet he increased in learning. He added to his learning, and he didn't consider equality with God as something to be used for his benefit. Instead, he humbled himself, and he took the form of a, of a servant. As the incarnate God, he was all wise. As God, he was all wise. And as the incarnate God, as the God-man, he increased in wisdom. Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, points us to a greater son and a greater king the Son of God, the King of kings, Jesus Christ. He becomes to us, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, wisdom from God. As we pursue wisdom, as you pursue wisdom, let us pursue Christ. Let us behold Him. This is the true and ultimate and supreme benefit in giving yourself to the pursuit of wisdom. I pray as you give yourself to that pursuit, and as we study Proverbs together for a few weeks, it will, it will ultimately bring you to the cross. And that when you do arrive there, you will find Christ. For the cross of Christ is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved. To us, are, it means that to us who are, are saved and are moving towards final salvation, glorification. To us who are being saved, the cross of Christ is the power of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. More about that next week. Let's pray.